0: Welcome now to Culture at Work on the Business Radio Network, presented by Crest Insurance with host Matt Nelson.
1: All right. Well, welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Culture at Work in Tucson, proudly presented by Crest Insurance Group, where we learn from and celebrate the local leaders, businesses, and nonprofit organizations who have stood the test of Tucson time. I'm your host, Matt Nelson of Crest Insurance, and I'm joined here at Tucson Business Radio X Studios today for our second in-person podcast recording, which is fantastic. Um, kind of as we're working our th- way through this uh, through this COVID situation, but I'm joined today with um, Celeste Lupu and Joey Rogers, the co-founders of the Dancing in the Streets Arizona um, Dance Studio, and uh, and and really it's so much more than a dance studio. I mean, dance studio, nonprofit organization, community organization, uh, so many things to talk about around that. So I'm really excited for this. And this month we are going to be talking about. The idea of inclusion and how that relates to workplace culture. So, thank you so much, Celeste and Joey, for for joining us. It's truly a pleasure
0: to have you on the show. Oh, thank you for having us. Yeah,
2: thank you. This is uh, mm. quite an
1: opportunity. We're we're excited.
0: Yes. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I'd I say yes. Absolutely. <laughs> well,
1: you know, I think um, you know as as I was thinking about, and we talked a little bit before we started rolling, but mm. as as I think about. Just everything that's going on right now, right? And and we've I've talked about Tucson as a community. I didn't grow up here. Um, I uh, moved down here about uh, gosh 10, 10 years ago. Um, I went to, went to school to a small state university about ninety three miles north of here, and uh, moved down to Tucson and um, from from Phoenix and. Really have just been amazed over the past ten years or so that I've been here. I'm actually more than that. Gosh, I'm almost fifteen uh, that I've been here. Um, almost a native. Yeah, almost. I'm getting that slowly but surely. Um, but I have been just awestruck um, with just th- how unique the community is here. And having mm-hmm. lived in a lot of different places, as I know, you know, you both have traveled to a lot of different places, spent a lot of mm-hmm. times in in different communities. Tucson has something really unique. There's there's something here, and it's difficult to to put it into words exactly. But mm-hmm. people just kind of I don't know. There's there's a connection here that you don't see in a lot of places.
0: Yeah, I I, I think of Tucson as one of those cities. If you were born and raised, or for me, if you born and raised in Tucson as a as a kid, it was for me it was kind of hard to you know the the, the to navigate their ways and the means but when i got older well i guess this is where i really appreciate Tucson when i left and experienced cities like detroit <laughs> milwaukee mm-hmm. uh, washington dc baltimore new york city and, you know and after you experience those cities you think back you go Well, Tucson is not all that bad. (laughs) (laughs) It feels good when the wheels touch the runway. You get back and you're (laughs) like, oh, wow, this is not all that bad. (laughs) I
2: think one of the things Mm -hmm. that makes Tucson so special Mm -hmm. is um, Mm -hmm. native of Tucson from the 60s as well. We have such an inclusive city and it's in everything. It's in the food, it's in the buildings, it's in the land, it's in the desert, it's in the animals. You know, the Native American population, the Asian population, all of the peoples that built the city together have such an influence. And at least the Tucson that I grew up, it wasn't divided. I've gone to other cities where there's this culture on this side and that culture on this side, and we have a festival for this population right. and a festival for that population. Tucson was always inclusive in the time that I grew up in, in the 60s. And I've been to other places as well. And I, I never really noticed how different Tucson was, like Joey said, until like Washington, D.C., uh, Seattle, South Korea, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, living right. in other places uh-huh. really made me realize how special Tucson is. And uh-huh. even as you say, from Phoenix, we're a whole different world from
1: Phoenix. From Phoenix. Right. yeah. What's amazing too, how durable, uh, I mean, cause I know I didn't appreciate, um, one of the things that I learned as I spent more time down here is just the amount of history that mm-hmm. is domiciled in yeah. Tucson. And, and there's, you know, uh, you, you talk to people out in the, the Autumn Nation mm-hmm. and they talk mm-hmm. about, you know, I mean, that's that's where the word Tucson comes from. Right. 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 Um, and then, you know, you talk to people down um, by the Presidio downtown where a lot of people don't realize that actually there are people who lived in Tucson that the the American border crossed over them. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, they mm-hmm. lived mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. Their family was mm-hmm. here yep. and, and they became American citizens by virtue of the border moving across them. And yeah. so mm-hmm. it, there are just there are so many unique things that kind of convene in this really kind of if you didn't know it know it yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily know to speak to seek it out kind of spot in the southwest it's, I, it's really fascinating absolutely
2: yeah and I, I think that Having grown up in that blend, plus I think we're a really artistic, unique culture, and a lot of people moved to Tucson, as you say, in the early history for rebellious reasons. They were, you know, kind of wanting to be on their own. Uh, My own neighborhood was founded by a gentleman named Harold Bell Wright, who was an author in 1920, and he was a very controversial author, and so he moved out here in the 20s and wrote this whole series of books but it mm-hmm. was in tucson in the desert where he was able to feel free to be able to
1: F- do
0: frailty. that yeah right the work on his craft absolutely yeah.
1: so tell me a little bit i know you both are grew up in tucson um i know you both met in ballet school but mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about the path that you walked you know from here and then out you know mm-hmm. into your professional careers and everything like that and then what drew you back what what how did that go
0: um, Do you want to start? No, you go ahead, start, honey. <laughs> go ahead.
2: Well, um, uh-huh. we met in ballet school together, uh-huh. and Joey's from... South Park area, Mm -hmm. and I went to Suero High School, which is the east side. So we probably wouldn't have met unless we had gone to ballet school together. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a total bunhead. Ballet Mm -hmm. was my life. Joey was like, oh, I'm good at this.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. There's girls here.
2: (laughs) um, We started dating when I was Mm -hmm. about 15, Mm -hmm. and he was 17. And actually, the big controversy, people always ask, well, you know, we're interracial. Wasn't it a huge big deal? And no, yeah. it really wasn't. The mm. thing was that I'm Jewish and Joey was Catholic. So that was the big conflict. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, uh, yeah. And um, uh. I think we, we went away and had our separate careers probably in college in the 80s. I, I got very anorexic and was still continuing to try and pursue a career and – we went our separate ways, and we stayed in contact with each other over the 10 years. Right, uh, right, Kids don't believe this because we didn't have the internet. We didn't have phones. We didn't have anything. Right. It was postcards right. and long-distance calls. Right. And then um, both had separate lives, married other people, went through divorces, life happened. Mm-hmm. And our parents, like everyone's parents, my father had lung cancer, and Joey's father was on dialysis. So we'd been in contact with each other, and I think I went through my divorce about a year and a half before him. and. right. We just, he moved to Seattle with me and then we kind of gravitated back to Arizona.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: In 97,
0: right? Like most people do, you know, you leave Tucson and next thing you know, you find your way. And even though while you're gone, you say, I'll never go back to Tucson. I'll never go back to Tucson. (laughs) Next thing you know, here we are. (laughs) Here you are.
2: I mean, for me, Tucson has always been in my heart. Mm -hmm. Every city I go to, there are wonderful things that I love about it, but it's never Tucson to me. And I just think the biggest thing to me is there's this whole blend of of people and culture and life that doesn't separate itself out.
0: Well, see, it's different for me because, oh, yeah. yeah, well, can see for me back in those days, I got in a lot of trouble, okay. right? A lot right. of trouble. And those days, back in those days, uh, my whole objective was try to get far away from Arizona as possible, and 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 actually, my ballet allowed me to do that. So uh, I went and auditioned for Hartford Ballet and uh, in LA, and he gave me a, a, a contract right on the spot. So he's like, "You ever been to Connecticut?" And I was like, "No, but I need to get far away, far away <laughs> from, to, um, from 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 Phoenix, Tucson. Uh, where is that at? On the other side of New York? Fine, that's far enough. Let me go." <laughs> and uh, and actually, that was probably one of the best moves because I. I took a bus from Tucson all the way to Hartford, Connecticut, and I'll never do that again. But anyway, it's <laughs> a long bus ride. Ooh boy, four day. Ooh boy. <laughs> but once I got to Connecticut, it was a total cultural change yeah. for right. me. Coming from the desert, going through the Midwest, da 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 da. Bam! Here I am in the New England, and it was it was. Uh, it was an eye opener but it was very challenging it was it was something that was needed in my life at that time because if 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 not i would have i would have been a statistic Definitely, because you didn't
2: listen to me back in the day. Uh, You you know, told you your friends were not a good influence. Well,
1: so and you know, Mm. it's kind of funny because if this wasn't something that I was, I was, Mm -hmm. kind of slated as a question to talk about, but it kind of relates because so Celeste, when we look at you, you were ballet from the start, right? And so you had Mm -hmm. that routine and and everything like that, right? Mm -hmm.
2: Well, it's again, it goes to my family, my my. i I was in orchestra, I was in theater, I was in opera. Performing arts and arts was part of my family. My sister played violin, my dad played, my sister played viola, my dad played violin, my brother played cello, and because my mother was the um, founder for Pima Council on Aging, we would go and play string quartets at nursing homes all over the city. And that, we would go to museums, it was just part of my family life, and ballet was just, I mean, my mom says I was dancing in her stomach. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was just like this huge love. I could, it was like air. I couldn't live without it. But I was also very challenged because I was not a natural skinny ballerina body. That was the day you had to be. So anorexia really played havoc with how successful my career became.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: It really plagued me for many, many, many years.
1: Mm-hmm. That would make sense. and and well, And so if we contrast that with joey your experience where you know ballet was something you found out that you were good at and like you said you know you got in trouble and ballet was kind of the the structure the ladder that you used to climb out right
0: absolutely absolutely so
1: what if you had to think about what it, what that? What those two stories have in common around like the skills that you learn in ballet, the discipline that you learn in ballet. What, what should people know about ballet that they don't? Because I would suspect that,
0: <laughs> yeah, I would suspect sure. that
1: most people have an idea about oh. what ballet is. They have an idea about what goes into the workload, but I would suspect that their idea is probably <laughs> lacking some context.
0: The ballet world is the most cut world, cutthroat world ever. I mean you you, you It's you, the
2: hardest career and more You
0: strive right. versus perfection that so you, you
2: will never achieve.
0: Correct. But the director demands that. Demands the perfection out of the dancer. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, out of the dancer. So, um yeah, uh boy. Ooh. There's some <laughs> I mean, so
2: you learn self-discipline that applies itself. Uh you also learn to be patient because it takes a, it's so hard to master the classical Ballet technique There's a lot of people Teaching ballet But it's not Pure classical Mm -hmm. So there's a very Strict anatomy And physiology That has to go along With the teaching That we were trained with And it's very difficult And you have to be patient With yourself And you have to keep at it Mm -hmm. You never quit You have to keep going Keep going Keep going And that's That's in everyday life Oh yeah You're going to fall on stage The point is Just get up And keep dancing Make sure the audience Doesn't know That that was supposed to happen You know Fool the audience Um,
0: Right Usually the mis- Uh, perceptions of the of the of the dancer is you know it's easy uh, it's easy they're not an athlete oh yeah they are an athlete uh most ballet ballet dancers put in more work than the average football player yeah you know the football player might might uh practice for like a week and do one game which the dancer would have to practice that week and have to do like 30 shows. So, I mean. Um, By
2: the time I was a uh, freshman in high school, I would go straight to the ballet studio, bring my homework with me. I lived in the ballet studio. I took the bus to the ballet studio. I wore my dance clothes underneath my street clothes, and I was at the studio probably from 5 o'clock until almost 9.30, mm-hmm. four to five days a week, and then rehearsals on the weekend. And that was a freshman in high school. That was just the standard. Nowadays, it's very hard to get kids to even come... For an hour,
1: <laughs> right,
2: you know, and focus on one thing. Parents want to put their kids in everything, right. And it really, to master it, you really have to put all of your energy and focus on one thing.
0: Well, well, with, with the COVID, now it's totally different now yeah. because you got the kids now in front of the computer for what, three or four hours, right. and they're dying for exercise. Yeah, I know. mean, I see parents walk into our studio. And I see the exhaustion on their face, (laughs) you know, and 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 then and and then I see the sheer joy of the kids going into the studio because they want to move. Right. They want some kind of exercise, some kind of engagement. So
2: I think uh, the biggest uh, misperception that people have about ballet specifically is how much work it is. You know, we gear our families and kids to athletes, you know, football players, sports players, soccer or tennis, any kind of athlete, you know, we, we gear them, especially our boys from young age, there's team things and everyone has an understanding that how much work it takes, but Mm -hmm. Uh a dancer actually works 10 times harder than any professional athlete and they're paid nothing.
0: Yes. So you know you're living
2: you're living on a shoestring, but you're working four times as hard, and then you have the artistry, not just the physicality. Mm-hmm. So you have to be really resilient in the ballet world. You also have to be careful who you, who you bring into your who circle you, of closeness. Yes, because yeah. there's a lot of competitiveness, lot just of like hops. in sports. Mm-hmm.
1: Sure, mm-hmm.
2: you know, and that's one thing that we try to keep at our studio is to make sure that we. Don't have a competitive
0: cutthroat environment. We're more environment. of a team environment that yeah. we right. help each other. If there's, like, I have two, I have one advanced kid, and then I have a, a, a beginning, begin. I expect that advanced kid to help me, to help that beginner right, to get to her level. Right. You know, so, yeah.
1: Well, so since since we kind of worked our way to the topic of the studio, what what motivates you to start? dancing in the streets. I mean, when when you look at your careers, I mean, it was international performances uh, th- across respective productions all the way across the country. Um, Joey, I know you were on national TV. Uh-huh. I mean, so what's what motivates you to come back and say, you know what, I we want to stand a studio up in South Tucson, <laughs> and we want to build our studio around introducing people into this art, this craft that Probably most people, when they look at that area of the city, they would say, that is not the place where you're going to put a ballet studio. That's not where
0: you're going to find (laughs) your students. Oh, boy. So
1: what's the motivation? What called out to you both to stand that up?
0: Wow. The motivation. The motivation.
2: Yeah. I can say for Joey right yeah. away uh-huh. several things. Number one, being told no. Yes. The glass ceiling <laughs> for for uh-huh. African-American men in terms of directing. Uh-huh. Everyone saw him as a performer and a dancer and a teacher. As a teacher. But yeah. trying to get to that director level just wasn't there. So he said, I'm going to create my own thing. And this town hall that we went to that was um, – when we first came back to Tucson, there was a town hall. and It was all about uh-huh. arts and culture. And the only representative there was from the symphony. Joey stood up and said, you know – I really think we need to expand beyond downtown discussions about culture and arts. Right, and right. that was the vision for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You want to yeah. tell the story of the the backyard
0: barbecue? Oh yeah, basically when I when we moved back to Tucson uh, from back east, uh, I was invited to a barbecue, and uh, and uh, so it was my, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of my friends and. Uh, I was sitting around, I was looking and I was like, where are the kids are at? And the kids were inside playing video games. Right. So I said, I got this trick and I say, Hey, I saw this one kid. I said, Hey, you want to make $5? He's like, yeah. I said, does anybody else want to make $5? He's like, wait a minute. So he goes in, and lo and behold, there are like 30 kids that came out because they heard $5. <laughs> 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 you know, $5. This guy's going to give me $5 for us. I know no, I'm not going to give it to you. You have to do this certain step that I'm going to do. Whoever does it gets the $5. So I was doing it in the carport. And then the owner says, can you move these damn kids out in the street? So I was like, okay, that's fine. So we moved out in the middle of the street. And uh, and then next thing I know, I, I taught him the step. And uh, and I kind of took a step back. And I, I saw the kids were engaging. And I took a step back. And I looked at Celeste. And I'm like there's something here, here, you know, the, the, these kids want to actually want to dance.
2: He started yeah. with like a plie uh, 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 and a relevé uh, ballet steps and they were all doing it out. And, and that's kind uh, of where dancing in the streets name. The I was,
0: was going to ask because yeah. you were literally
1: dancing yeah. in the street. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. so
0: that's where it came from. So, um, yeah. Um, um,
1: <laughs> and then how do you, so how yeah. do you, yeah. because when I, and if anybody, anybody listening hasn't had the chance to visit your website and see some of the videos up there, they absolutely should. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that struck me most, and I know we talked about this a bit before, you know, we were talking about coming on the show, but you know, uh, there are so many things in this world that if you listen to the people who are doing it and they say, you know, and, and listen to them saying whether or not you would be capable of doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Most people would never do anything. Because right? there's always somebody telling you why you can't do something, why you don't belong in this place, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I look at, you know, Joey, your experience, right? I mean, I... I can't imagine, as somebody grown up, uh, you know, kind of in the midtown south side of Tucson, an African American man, that people were looking at you and saying, "You know what? You really should look into ballet if this is what you love." Right? I can't imagine. That's,
0: I can't imagine that was a discussion no, that a lot yeah, of people. No, were having. it wasn't. Celeste, the same way that
1: it sounds <laughs> no. like, you know, that there were people that might say, "This is what a ballerina has to look like," right. and. Mm-hmm. and if you can't do this, this isn't for you, right? My actual teacher told me that.
2: In mm-hmm. fact, the, teacher that, the first teacher that I had, she said, you know, you'll never become a classical ballerina. You'll be a character dancer, but you don't have the body for a classical ballerina. And I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to make myself have one then. Mm-hmm. And it drove me harder to work harder in class. But then that's also what fell into anorexia, too.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, certainly you certainly have to be careful. The thing that strikes me when I look at your production, though, um, is you see kids from, again, an area of town that people would not say, this is where you're going to find a ballet studio. You see kids that are, you have found a way to to make ballet accessible to kids who have handicaps, right? Who they're on stage in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and you're finding a way to incorporate that into production. And so what is so fascinating to me and, and what's so inspiring about this is that every convention where you could probably make an argument that a person could say, you know what, that's right, I'm gonna give up on this because people who know better than me, who have been doing this longer than me, or or maybe haven't been doing it longer than me, but they're in a position where they can, they feel they can tell me what I can or can't do, Uh Uh are telling me this isn't for me. And throughout both your lives, but also now with your organization, you have managed to turn every one of those conventions on their head and say, nope, we are gonna do it this way and we're gonna make it work and it's gonna be beautiful and it's gonna be engaging and it's gonna be fun. And I just that has to require such an incredible amount of self-confidence and an incredible amount of dedication to sit there and and fight that fight. Uh That's not an easy fight. Tell me about that.
0: Well, um, well, um, uh, me, including the wheelchair, was always been a include. uh, I'm an includer. I mean I love to include everybody if I can. But uh that came to be that um that actually I could tell you this one story. When I was dancing with Bally Michigan in Flint, there was this girl and she was a deaf ballerina and she refused to sign language. Right. She, she, she would say, you know, you can talk to me, oh, you can talk to me, you know, you know, say what you meant. Mm-hmm. I, and I was she like, she red lips, oh, so red she lips, right? lips yeah. really good. So, and then, um, and then one day and I, I kind of, kind of lip and said, uh, how do you hear the music <laughs> right. to, you know, to do the ballet classes and stuff like that. And she took my hand and put it on the piano Mm -hmm. while the guy was playing and she goes like this and i'm like oh but i'm like but i'm about but i went wait a minute okay that's fine but how do you do it on stage right right and she says the same thing it's that she feels the vibration in her feet in the theater i'm like i mean this girl was just amazing she was an amazing dancer Amazing ballad. I mean, and, and at that time, I said, like, "Wow, I want to work with more disability people like that." Because she really, tra- I just put that in the back of my mind. So, and uh, and luckily, I had the opportunity.
2: Well, he saw this uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. one girl uh-huh. on Facebook and. He felt like, you know, I'd like to offer her an opportunity to dance in the Nutcracker. Right. So he reached out to her mother, and she brought her to the studio, and she was like, well, you know, she's in a wheelchair. She well, can't do well, anything. Well, no,
0: the first conversation I, I reached out to her, I said, yeah, I'm a director of a ballet studio, and I like to give, you know, I like to do an experiment with your daughter with ballet. And her first response was, well, you know, she's in a wheelchair, you know. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yes, I do know that. So that's that's why I want to try. She's like, Really? This is new to me. Okay, I'll come down, right? So she brought Madeira down and I brought her down and it was kind of it, it was kind of weird at first because Madeira was there, the kids were there, I was there and I'm like and I'm looking around like going, "Okay," What I'm
1: gonna do. <laughs> into <Right. laughs> oh, so horse. Yeah.
0: What right? I'm gonna do. What well, my my juices started flowing, and all of a sudden, I don't know, something something just I put on some music. I said, kids, go over there, hang on to her, do this step, bring her out. And man, when I put on that music, Madeira's mother was there, you were there, all the other parents were there, and they did that step everybody just started bawling. Just started like, ah, ah, and I'm looking around going, hmm, well, I, I, I think student, I got something here. <laughs>
2: right. That particular student, she was pre- almost nonverbal. Right. Right. And so right. there wasn't a lot of feedback whether she enjoyed it or not. Right. But as soon as the music started, this grin came across this her face. This big
0: grin. And you could just see right. how yeah. much she enjoyed and it. And then she saw the kids moving her. She was smiling. Mm-hmm.
2: And that yeah. was the other thing. When the when the able-bodied kids were first with the wheelchair student in rehearsal, they were kind of afraid. And they didn't know what to do. Sure. It was kind
0: of both in. I think yeah. she was afraid as right. well. <laughs> and
2: after a while... The kids started getting really comfortable, and they actually started fighting then over who sense. would push the wheelchair. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: yeah, and So yeah. over the all years, right. we've had several different students that are wheelchair-bound mm-hmm. that have been included in the performances. And it's been really wonderful for all the students because the kids that are able-bodied dancers get a chance to normalize. A oh. wheelchair. And yeah. then the, I've had discussions with the parents where they asked me, well, you know, what should we do about costume for the wheelchair? What how, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, I don't want you to do anything with it because right. the wheelchair is legs. It's not the
0: right. the That's-
2: dance is the student. I want to put the costume on the student, not the chair. The chair is their legs. That's all it is. Right. right.
0: And the mother appreciated that so much yeah, when she, she started heard that. Crying. <laughs> she, when she heard that, she was like, oh my God. Oh my God. So, yeah, I mean, it's not even the wheelchairs. We got kids off the chart, too. We got kids with ADD. I mean, we got kids with diabetes. We got kids with...
2: We have a lot of kids that have a difficult time in life mm-hmm. and in school and in academics mm-hmm. and in structure.
0: Right.
2: And since Joey's kind of an ADD kid himself he understands that process (laughs) right
0: right right and
2: we sort of guide him to self-discipline it Uh, takes a long time but we do get him there it takes
0: a long time because the way we use a usually most ballet well way the way that ballet is usually taught is taught by fear
2: traditionally in the past
0: it's by fear and what i do is i do the total opposite which is that's kind of like you said on the flip head because you don't supposed to teach ballet while you're laughing that's that's a right A no. but i broke that open because the kids that i have uh they need humor they need the humor and the laughter for me to get the, the the help them to learn the step or for me to get into their minds to, for them to... It breaks uh. down the barrier. Yeah. Humor uh.
2: breaks down the barrier. There's no defense of, here, I'm telling you to do this and you do this. Right. So they don't have that defiance issue. They're at ease already. And you Joey don't... himself knows when he was bored in class and ballet studio, ballet class, he's like, I don't want any kid to be bored. So right. he makes it fun for them, but they're working at the same time. They don't realize they're working hard. Right. They'll come out and they're like, I'm sweating. It's like, right. you're supposed to. That's a good thing. <laughs> That's right.
0: a good thing, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> it's such a great perspective to have where it's, uh, you know, I, I think of anything else, I mean, it's it's okay to be working hard and still have fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can, you, you can have discipline and fun at the same time. Uh, I mean, Joey has mastered that. I'm still working on that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Well, so for those of you just joining us, this is Culture at Work in Tucson, proudly presented by Crest Insurance as the largest locally owned and operated insurance brokerage in Southern Arizona and one of the top 100 insurance agencies in the United States. Crest is your hometown insurance broker in Arizona, Colorado, and California to assist with commercial insurance, workers' compensation, and employee health insurance plans. I'm your host Matt Nelson, and now back to our conversation with Celeste Lapoo and Joey Rogers of Dancing in the Streets Arizona. So, I think about that first conversation, like you said, where you're where you're talking to a kid, and and the great thing about great thing about kids, right, is that um, kids have a very hard time uh, if they know that they're being lied to. <laughs> There's it's it's written on their face, right? Uh, the, the, the kids lack that you know kind of learned filter over time to listen to somebody lie to them and say, yeah, no, I, I think I see where you're going. You know, if a kid does, if you're not selling the kid on something, they're going to let you know right out of the gate. Right, right. So I can only imagine the challenge of any of the kids that come into your studio where you're giving them their first taste of something that probably most of them have never been introduced to that nobody's ever taught them to picture themselves in, and you've got to really meet these kids where they're at. They're in, you know, you've got tough economic situations, tough home situations, tough school situations, mm-hmm. different physical abilities, mm-hmm. uh, cultural and racial issues, so on and so forth. You've got mm-hmm. literally,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, this, this is the, <laughs> if, if you were to take <laughs> most of the problems that I think any group of people would encounter mm-hmm. and put them all into one little studio and then ask them to all do something really hard together- that might be it, right? right? And like the only place that I can think of that would even approximate it is like, I remember the first day of basic training where they threw everybody in there and they're like, (laughs) it's going to be awful for the next 12 weeks,
0: right?
1: Right, So walk me through that discussion with some of these kids and some of these parents because, you know, with the parents, there's, I'm sure skepticism about really you think that my kid is going to be doing this and then with the kids I'm sure there's skepticism of really am I going to be doing this
0: Oh, how do you have that conversation how do
1: you win these people over
0: well I got oh I got the man you hit it on the nail (laughs) it's
1: not the kids usually (laughs) it's it's
0: the the parents and and the ones the 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 bigger ones are it's the Mexican fathers and I can tell you a quick story Um, usually when the the, uh, Mexican girl comes in to, to to do a class, they bring in the whole family to, to watch. Right? Mm-hmm. Even the boys. So so what happens is the sisters I, in class. I'm engaging, yelling, da 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 da. And the boys in the lobby is like looking in. I call it the curiosity lane. I see it. So I go out to the lobby and say, Hey, you wanna try this? And the boy goes, yeah sure I'll give it a try so he gives it a try ends up liking it so I said do you like it oh yeah do you want to do it again sure okay well you need to tell your parents let your dad know what you did and then then his face frowns like you know frowns I was like I see that frown so this is what you tell your dad you took a ballet class from a black ballet teacher tell him that Okay, Mr. Rogers, so what happens is he did, the next day, the Mexican father comes in with the son and says, are you the black guy my my son's been talking about? I'm like going, yeah, I'm, wow, uh, 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 bowie, huh? (laughs) I never would have thought. I was like, just give me an hour with your son and you can take him or you, you know, usually they don't. They keep bringing them back. So, I mean, I think
2: there's two things with ballet, the how you approach it. One step at a time. You know, a plié is a plié is a plié. We have the same standard for everybody. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing with the students. Just attack it one day at a time. We always tell the ugly duckly story to everybody. You're going to, Joey gives them this little talk. You're going to feel awkward. It's going to be horrible. You're going to look all awkward and feel ugly and it's going to be
0: uncoordinated. Yeah. But you, know. you keep
2: coming back. You keep coming back every day, every day. Then eventually you're going to be that beautiful swan. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. usually tell that story. I have to tell that story to the teenagers all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right, right.
2: Um. And that's the thing that we that this generation doesn't understand working till you get something. They're so ingrained with the great things of technology being, oh, I go to YouTube, I can learn everything I need to know.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm.
2: And you can, but you can't. If you don't have an instructor there with you with ballet or performing art to correct you, you're not learning properly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it also takes a lot longer to master it than you think. You on YouTube, you learn it and you think you're doing wonderful because you have no feedback. Right. So that's the other thing is learning how to take feedback and make it a positive these kids don't get feedback; they yeah. show up and they're automatically awarded. Right. We don't do that no ballet no. world doesn't you don't show up to the theater and you get an award. you don't get to perform if you don't come to the rehearsals mm-hmm. you don't get to um come to a rehearsal if you're not coming to classes i mean it's this this whole thing with parents and educating them is that same issue of going back to sports. I right. have to have a conversation with parents well, if you are in soccer. How many days a week did the kids go to practice? Oh, every day. Right. Okay, so if you had your child and they didn't go to practice every day and you showed up to the game, do you think they'd get any time in? No, no. Well, then why do you think ballet's any different? If you come to every rehearsal but you don't bring your kids to class, they're not going to get to dance. They won't know what they're doing. Right. They're going to be confused. And the same way goes. You come to all the classes but you miss all the rehearsals. You're not gonna know what you're doing on stage. It's the same all of a sudden they get it when I do a metaphor with sports. Right. We're right.
0: trying to trying to get the metaphor of dance is more than a hobby. Right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So um
2: And we're athletes. And, right. you, have and you have to approach it like it. an athlete. Mm-hmm. Everyone understands if you're doing sports, Football, soccer, basketball, even cheerleading—they understand is a sport and an athletics. Mm. But with ballet, there's just this huge misperception that we can come casually and my put child my will leg on the bar learn. and yeah.
0: stretch my foot, and- dress
2: my child up and they look beautiful right. Right. and take right. a picture and a selfie uh-huh. and put the video up and that makes them a dancer. That's right. that's not it.
0: Right. Right. So so
2: I think the other thing is parents see the change in students. Yes. That once we convince them, keep bringing, keep coming, keep Mm -hmm. coming, they see the physical change and the academic change in kids. We usually tell them when we have these high, you know, ADD kids, it usually takes probably two months before you notice some kind of change. And it can be small. You know, they have a little bit more attention towards what they're doing for a minute or two Mm -hmm. their Mm -hmm. grades gradually start to improve they've been Mm -hmm. engaging with other students more you can see the change in them and that's when the parents really are one um one over for what we do and the other big test is is a nutcracker production Mm
1: -hmm.
2: once we get through a nutcracker production all of a sudden the light bulb goes off for the parents and the kids and the kids they really get it right
1: you know you mentioned um, you mentioned music well really I mean the arts in general it, it kind of amazes me I've I've played music for 25 years um, was not classically trained I was you know I uh, much like how I think you probably looked at ballet I you know I, I was uh, a, a boy in high school and I said, well, gosh, you know, it looks like all these guys that know how to play guitar. (laughs) (laughs) That seems to be quite popular, right? right. I'm going to give a go at that. Good way to get girls. Right, (laughs) exactly, you
0: know. I'm going to have a go at that. And
1: so, you know, so it was one of those things where this was pre-YouTube, but this was, you know, when you Mm -hmm. had tabulature, right? Mm -hmm. I don't need to learn how to play music. I need to learn four (laughs) chords to be able to sing at a party and I can kind of go from there. This is, and what amazed me, you know, 25 years later, right? um, What amazed me, of course, is when you start to do something and you start to, if you stick to it, that's the challenge, right? right. Is is, mm-hmm. is getting whatever that level of interest is. And, and I was lucky in that I had a friend who was classically trained. And so, mm. you know, like a good friend does, uh, recognize that, hey, look, you know, I, I was not the type of personality that was going to be, you know, uh, forced to sit down and read music. It was one of those things where it was like, all right, I'm gonna sprinkle a little bit of this on you, Yeah, a little bit of that, yeah, a little bit of this this at a time.
0: And, yeah. yeah,
1: and you're gonna you're gonna mm-hmm. learn this and you're gonna say, that sounds really cool. And right. then I'm gonna talk to you about, all right, now if you knew mm-hmm. what went into this, you mm-hmm. wouldn't have to just mimic me. You could start doing this on your own, right? And then you start getting into music theory and it's fascinating. Right. I mean, right. That's you get where the creative
0: juices can get flowing exactly. Exactly, because mm-hmm. you
1: finally learn, mm-hmm. you learn, all right, so these are the mechanical elements of the things that we're doing. And so now when somebody gives you something complex, you can start to break it down to the component parts, which is such an important skill that the arts have the ability to kind of nest in a way that you don't realize it. That ability to think about things as a sum of component parts. Problem-solving skills in uh, the That's why we're yep.
0: trying to be such advocates because the arts has been so slashed it's in the school system. And, uh, and, you know, there's just been this pushback by STEAM and STEM. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I mean, excuse me.
2: Science, technology, engineering, and sure, mathematics. Here, yeah. STEM you. has been uh-huh. just pushed upon uh-huh. the world and uh, We had access to an orchestra, a band, a theater, a dance program. Mm -hmm. Um, All of the performing arts were accessible in public school. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, kids don't have an inkling of it unless Mm -hmm. someone shows it to them on purpose. And that's very hard. And so we're trying to push back against STEM for STEAM, science, technology, engineering, arts Arts and mathematics. mathematics. If you look at other European school systems, arts is... Part of their academic Academic routine.
0: Correct, And
2: exactly that point that you just articulated Mm -hmm. so well, Mm -hmm. you know, once you master it, and once you master it, you figure out how to problem solve. You figure out how to go outside of the box to problem solve, because sometimes the answers aren't right in front of you. You have to sort of... Go around, around them to navigate, get to solve right. the problem. Did you
0: prepare for the workforce? And so, that's you know. really what's right. kind of
2: missing in this workforce is this push to STEM, STEM, STEM only.
0: Only, yeah. You know, yeah. I
2: always use the example of Albert Einstein. He used mathematics as his tool to do what he needed to do or to prove his theories. But he had to use his imagination right. to he figure out mm-hmm. what to how to get the tools there. So I always use that as the importance of arts and creativity in the workforce, mm-hmm. in workforce skills, in mm-hmm. developing, you know, human beings yeah. that are going to be part of our workforce. Right.
1: right. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think about the thing that, that is really, uh, I, I think, refreshing in a lot of ways about, um, about the arts and, and really anything where, the, how do I put this? They're, they're, they're kind of in a lot of ways, they're, they're a bit naked, Right, in that yeah. when a mistake happens, it's immediately apparent. Everybody's seeing it, right? And music right. is the same way. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like there is no working away around the fact that you hit the wrong note. Everybody <laughs> in the room knows you hit the wrong note. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you draw a bow incorrectly. Everybody, yeah, everybody knows, knows what that sounds like, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. You miss a step in dance, and everybody's going left, and one's going right. Yep. You'll see it. <laughs> there's no hiding,
1: right? <laughs> right. And, and which right. is which is one of those things that in you know, kind of the current YouTube world and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of space to hide. And mm-hmm. and again, I think that. We, in a lot of ways, we don't give kids the credit for being as smart as they are because these kids they recognize, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you, you can you can only convince somebody to some level, and because kids have such a just such a nascent ability to be honest, like mm-hmm. they know when something's not going well. They know when it's, hey, look, yes, I messed up, do. and you can tell me that I did great all you want, mm-hmm. but I know that I messed up, and you can read mm-hmm. it on their face. Yes, you know, absolutely. but
2: that's the key mm-hmm. to success that we exactly. do. Mm-hmm. Right, is that. We tell them from day one, you will have something happen to you. Mm-hmm. And it's not the mistake. Don't focus on the mistake. Focus on keep going. The audience doesn't know the choreography. If you screwed up a step, they aren't going to know it until you show it on show
0: your face. Show it on your face. Right. Exactly. Same thing. Mm-hmm. The, yeah,
2: everyone hears the sound, but mm. you can play it off and say, hey, I was supposed to do that. It was a comic part. <laughs> <Right. Right. laughs> you don't let other people know that it was supposed to be a mistake. And mm-hmm. the same thing in life. Pick yourself up. Dust yourself off. Keep moving keep forward. Don't moving let forward. that mistake... Consume destroy you, and consume, consume you because mm-hmm. it can mm-hmm. there's
1: such a grace and humility to that where where the grace is the ability to kind of move forward right to forgive yes. yourself show yourself some grace
0: and move yes. forward yes. and
1: then the humility to kind of come in recognizing that you know what like i might not do this perfectly and i'm going to do it anyways
0: correct mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely
1: yeah so are these all things that you when you're in the mix um you know as dancers yourselves Are these all lessons that were apparent to you or is it something that once you started to move into choreography and directing other people that these things really became apparent? Where does that light bulb go off?
2: I don't think there's any light bulb. I think it's just that we acquire those skills and until other people say, hey, what skills did you bring in that you think about? Or when you see other people not having those same skills, they just become like air to you. You're in the arts world and you learn all these things, and they're part of your life and life. part of your being. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize that other people don't have them until you're around people that don't have yeah, them.
0: Um, right. Yeah, <laughs> Good point.:
1: And I know Celeste, I know you've done a lot of work outside of, you know, the, uh, outside of dancing and, and mm-hmm. outside of dancing in the streets. How did the experience that you had kind of in, in this craft? shape the way that you've approached everything else. And, and this is, I think, maybe almost a good tie to if, if we're trying to set these kids up for life,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Or set anybody up for life, quite frankly, because like you said, I mean, it's uh, three to 103. That's, that's who you welcome into your studio, which Correct. is such a, such a great <laughs> message, right? <laughs> but so as you're trying to set people up and you're trying to say, all right, you're going to learn these skills, but we're going to help make them portable, Because that's the benefit of this. That's the benefit of learning the arts. It's the benefit of learning self-confidence, doing something hard, is that you can then take those skills and those talents you've developed in your workshop Uh and carry them forward into other things that you're trying to accomplish, whether it's running a business. I know you ran an animal shelter. Uh You've been involved in political advocacy. Joey, I know you through Greater Uh Tucson Leadership, so so I know you've been out in the community. Right. What do you think are the most important things that you've Carried out into the world, and if people were looking at what you do, what should they look to develop similarly?
2: Wow. Um, (laughs) A question I hadn't thought of. I'm almost speechless. You know, I think I have to give again a huge amount of credit to my mother, Marian Lupu, who was the founder of her Pima Council on Aging. Mm. I learned so much from her by just being. She took me to conferences with her. She was a, a female executive director back in the 60s and 70s when there was no... That was no, unheard of. My father was a biochemist and actually quit that line of work to work in home. And he was the, you know, he was the daddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I grew up with an uh, a role model of an extremely strong, confident woman and an extremely strong, confident male. He was totally supportive of her career without feeling like he gave up anything. He took care of us. And um, and I think that the thing that she gave me was advocacy and always to be the devil's advocate to find what the root of the problem is and don't be afraid to ask hard questions of other people and don't be afraid to take a risk. And like you had said earlier, make sure that The things that other people are telling you don't absorb into your being. Like, everyone's always going to tell you, no, you can't do this. Um, You shouldn't do it. Don't take that into your, you know, your being. Like, when you go to an audition, Joey and I were talking about this. You go to an audition, I don't know how many times I was told, you know, you don't look the part. You're great. You're wonderful. But you're just not the right shape or you're not the right size. So instead of saying, wow, that's, that's my core being, it's like, okay, well, find another part. Find the, keep going, keep going. And if I can't find it, like Joey says, we invent our own. We create our own production. We yeah. make our own
0: world. I want to piggyback off you with your mother. Her mother is so genuine because she kind of molded me the person that I am today. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that I didn't know about About networking <laughs> mm-hmm. you know i used to take her to all these charity events i used to wheelchair all these charity events she's like yeah joey that's jim click over there yeah that's what's so-and-so over there that's so-and-so over there and stand you know, by the
2: entrance yes. and the exit.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah her thing was she's like yeah joey gotta get there and we're gonna stand by the entrance i was like stand by the entrance why you want to do that mom she says watch Everybody comes to the entrance. Oh, Marion, how you doing? And I'm sitting there, I'm like going, Oh, I get it. Oh, I I mean she taught me like the little tricks of the trade to how to get people uh uh it's basically from how I learned it in the greater leadership, mm-hmm. how to woo people. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and I never knew that I had woo-ness until i went to the greater leadership he's yeah. got lots of woo 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 woo, woo. <laughs> I, I never knew there was a word for it you know what i'm saying so yeah. um she really shaped me introduced me to a lot of people because she wanted to make sure that dancing street was going to stay around for a long time so um well
2: she saw the potential in him I know she tried to cultivate me, but I just don't have woo like Joey does. Mm -hmm. So Joey has a dynamic personality. He's the personality. He's the face of the business, the personality. Mm -hmm. Everyone loves to be around him. And I think she saw that in him. I am a lot more reserved. I'm more conservative. And I'm a lot shyer. And uh, I don't have that woo ability. But I'm the... I'm the wind beneath the wings, so right, I'm doing right. all the stuff that he doesn't do. Right,
0: but uh, but there was a lot of things I didn't realize the ability that I had mm-hmm. because I never, one, never thought of myself in that light. Because uh, when I, like she said, the glass ceiling, I was only thinking about it artistically. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you know, I want to save every kid. I want every kid to dance, and you know, blah blah blah. You know, and that was that was my mindset. But once we started with Danton in the street, and then actually what it really hit is when mom passed away. When mm-hmm. she passed away, that really...
2: It's still a struggle.
0: It's still a struggle. She died in
2: 2016. She was our founding um, board president. Right. And she went with us to... Um, to the small business association, SCORE, score to help us with our business plan, and everything. she really tootled us in the the business end of it. Mm-hmm. And she really wasn't able to finish her tutelage before she passed away. Mm-hmm. So it's been a it's been a, a bigger struggle, and COVID mm-hmm. has made it even more of a struggle.
0: Struggle, Certainly. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but she's has been.
2: I hear mm-hmm. her persistence. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. whenever my mom would come into a room. And politicians would see her. They're like, oh, run. Marion Lupu's coming.
1: Right. Because they
2: always knew that she was going to ask them for something, and she was relentless. Mm -hmm. She would never take no. She might not keep asking you right away, but she Mm -hmm. would go back to you Mm -hmm. next week, next month, next year, because she knew eventually that no would turn into a yes.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she always told me. She's like, oh, that's all right, Joey. He said no. I was like, Well, that means no mom. No, it doesn't. That means that I'm gonna go ask him again next month. <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> that's how it works. Okay. She, also she us said she us. said that's yeah. Tucson. Just because that person says no now doesn't mean no later. Mm-hmm. It could be a yes later. So she uh-huh. taught us about bartership. Mm-hmm. You know, barter-shipping
2: mm-hmm. in Tucson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know the early story of Walter Reed Park. Mm-hmm. He bartered with people to get the trees with other organizations, do the landscaping. He had no money getting the park started, and it was one of these huge bartership things. So my mom kind of taught me that, too, that sometimes people can't give you money, but they might give you contacts
0: or things. Or, or a service that they can do. Yeah, right.
1: Mm-hmm. So, it's kind of a question again of, of meeting people where they're at, right? Mm, you know, right. it's like, yeah. how are you interested in this? Mm-hmm. And if you are, what's the best way that I can get you involved as opposed to coming in with kind of a preconceived notion as to what they can do? Correct. Right. Mm. And
2: maybe you want X and they offer you Y and you never thought about Y, but mm-hmm. hey. Let's work with
1: why, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and it's and it's funny that uh, that you talk about not knowing that you had woo, Joey. Because anybody <laughs> that just say, I, I know, I knew you uh, before. Greater Tucson Leadership just by your suit. So I right, right. was just like, this guy's walking around in a Superman suit. I gotta get to know this guy. This is incredible.
0: <laughs> and that was kind of that's kind of weird though. But you know, uh, that was
2: another mom thing is saying mm-hmm, get no, people to come to you instead right. of you
0: going to the going pro- to them. So that's
2: but the Superman suit is especially interesting because joey's an african-american male Mm -hmm. and a lot of times we're going into these all caucasian events
0: right and and it's hard to really and go and approach them you know when when especially you really don't know them sure but every time i put on that suit the superman one (laughs) the superman one it says i don't know uh, uh, what i get is they'll come up to me and says this is a wonderful suit, and I got to know this man who's in this suit. Right. And it draws him in. It's almost mesmerizing when You he's can in. see
2: that they're not <clears throat> seeing any barrier. They're not looking at his color. They're not seeing anything. They're drawn to him because Superman touches some childhood thing for most people. Sure. Right, and, uh, right. And they're yeah. drawn to him uh-huh. for that. So then... You can, you know, you can get your pitch. You can woo people in, it's right? Very easy. And
0: then once I, once they get in, they're like, "I love your suit." That's when I get them. Gotcha. So yeah, so what? it's it's all a little bit of strategy that mom taught me. You I know, it's it? it giving
1: it away. Yeah, I did.
0: It's <laughs> a great strategy because I mean,
1: you've addressed, I think, probably the toughest part of. I mean, human beings are weird, right? I mean, we're mm-hmm. just we're, we're strange. We're strange little animals sometimes, right? And. There are, I mean, if you don't know somebody, there's such a barrier to, to walk up sometimes and even say hello for yeah. some people. And
0: so oh. we got something to talk about. Like, that's an awesome suit. You've eliminated that barrier. Exactly. And especially with the guys, because especially the guys in the charity events, mm-hmm. they got the dark suits with the red tie. And then when they see my suit, they go like this. Honey, I want a suit like that. <laughs> Why I can't wear something like that? Okay, you know what I'm saying? So. I think that's
2: the artistic end. We're not mm. afraid to take risks. I mean, right. part mm-hmm. of being colorful and mm-hmm. part of being your authentic self is being artistic. And I think so many men have a difficulty with uh, stepping, out of, stepping
0: out of that box. Yes, yes, yes. Know. So you know, so it
1: makes sense. Well, mm-hmm. and that's. I mean, it kind of speaks to like you said the ballet thing in general, which mm-hmm. is you know that it's it being okay with taking a risk, and that's that is one of those things that. Right. I don't know, and when I was growing up as a kid, and I'm not that old, mm-hmm. you know, I was just born in the early right. 80s, but, mm-hmm. but it was one of those things that um, I remember, my brother and I both played football, and my brother started taking dance classes, my little brother, is a year younger than me, mm-hmm. and I remember some of, some of I, he took some heat for it, there was no way, I mm-hmm. grew up in a farming community, that yeah. sort of thing, like dance was not something that guys did, especially not guys in high school, Yeah, yeah, and you know, so he comes out and he's got, you know, his big sequin vest on and they're doing this big production. Um, but he had such an amazing confidence about him that mm-hmm. what was incredible was once people kind of got over that and they started seeing the confidence. Mm-hmm. um you know, all of a sudden it was like, Oh man, this is really cool. It's it's neat that you're into this. And he was really good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and now I mean it's it's kinda one of those things where he has carried that confidence with him for the rest of his life. It's it's driven everything he's done and I have to believe it was there, mm-hmm. but it's when you when you take a risk like that and it pays off. Mm-hmm. You take a risk like that and you're like, you know what, I really had fun doing that and that mm-hmm. was that was a cool time. You carry that memory with you. Yeah. You
2: learn to put a stage, your your performance head, your performance body, and we go into a room, and it's like, Oh, okay, performance time and even though like I'm super uncomfortable in networking, that is just like really difficult for me. That I put on the performance mode and I'm ready to go.
0: Yeah. Um, what I was going to say is, uh, oh God, I lost my thought. Sorry. <laughs> right. So,
1: you know, I think the, the question I, I really want to use to bring us home here is, um, because, mm. you know, it's always the rubber meets the road when you see, when you see kids or you see, see anybody, but I think especially kids, because every, when you see kids do well, I think it speaks to everyone. You know I mean? Mm. Cause it's a common experience. We were all there once. Right. 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 Um, but so when you see kids that are, facing a struggle and they pull out of it, right, and they do more than you thought they could. They do more than they thought they could. And all of a sudden you get that kind of look of astonishment and you see that trajectory. Like you can almost watch a person's trajectory shift, mm-hmm. right? So I know you've had a couple of students that have come through your studio that have really kind of taken that and and run with it. And so can you tell, can you share just to give people some context about why they should go check out Dancing in the Streets and and why their kids might be interested in it. of a story of, of some of the kids that have come through there and what they've done after.
0: Wow. Um, Dancing in the Streets, uh, out of the 13 years, has been an adventure. We had so many kids. We touched so many kids, and uh, uh, we have one... Uh,
2: well, we're talking about student, Alvaro was yeah, one of our st- first students, right, that's what I and he didn't about. start until he was six like seventeen. Mm-hmm. He came in as a chaperone with his sister. He started when he was like 17 or 18. Right. He got serious. He's now dancing professionally. He was the first generation to go to college out of his family. They're, you know, first generation. First
0: generation out of their family. and he's a,
2: dancing in State Street well, in he,
0: Well, he got hit with COVID, so wow. right now, yeah, so right. he's, he's up there, but he's he's a professional now. We have another girl who is uh, Louisville. uh, Oh, yeah, she was autistic. Autistic. On the autistic end, and uh, she's a beautiful ballerina now, and she's employed with the Louisville Ballet in Kentucky. So that's two. We
2: have students. um, The the Mm. sister that we're talking about, she was in Smith College. She got a scholarship to go there. She's a huge advocate right now. We just saw an article Mm. Uh, online about all the things that she's doing, advocating for immigrant rights and and
0: just... Advocate for the arts. So we're building, you know, we know a lot of our kids are not going to be dancers. We know that. But... But we want them to be Stellars of the community. We want them to be arts advocates as well. That's why we always say that's why we start the kid very early to get them engaged and early and and, and, and excited about the arts because that's going to take them through their whole life.
2: Yeah, we have students that are almost all in college and their families had never gone to college. Almost all of our students go on to higher education. Right. So that's a huge thing. Mm -hmm. I think it's we're instilling that magic you talked about, when we see that, that's what keeps us going. Right. And we know that we've changed the life of a child who's probably not going to go into gang and drug activity because now they're high on the arts. Right, mm-hmm. right. That, right. That they now have that self-confidence that you mentioned that they're not getting. Even in the school system, they're telling them, you know, mm. you can't go except this level. Level. Right.
1: Well, Joey, Celeste, thank you so much for joining us uh, today on Culture at Work in Tucson. I, truly inspirational to uh, to hear your story. Um, for those of us who joined us, I, I hope you've enjoyed the show this month. I'm Matt Nelson. I'll be back with another episode uh, coming up on the third Thursday of next month. This episode and all my guest details are right here permanently on this channel, uh, TucsonBusinessRadioX.com, as well as Facebook and Culture CultureAtWorkAZ.com. Thank you all very much. Have a great rest of your day.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: Join Matt for another interesting Culture at Work podcast right here on Tucson Business Radio